right, guys, welcome back to the Buck Fever podcast. You've got Noah and Eli uh, this time, um, and we're going to be talking a little bit about something that is a, is a good thing to get done in the off season. So that'd be like right now, um, right now at the latest, really. And that is finding new properties to hunt, whether it be uh, public land or private land permission spots or even places that you already have permission on that maybe um, maybe just like a certain chunk of private that you've never really explored. So we're going to kind of dive into some of that. Eli's got some good experience with that and I've got a little bit as well. So first things first, Eli, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm, I'm doing great. It's 86 degrees down here in uh, Westby where I live. So um, I'm not going to be heading out and doing anything today, but uh, I am starting to make plans for for the coming weeks uh, on some of the deer chores I'm going to get done. And and one of the things I'm definitely going to do is be walking through a couple of new new pieces. Absolutely. You guys getting any rain over there? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> um, so when when we had those big storms kind of blow through around the fourth uh lacrosse actually got over two inches of rain and uh where my house is was like for whatever reason was like the little sliver that didn't get any rain because further south of here then <laughs> they got hammered the same as they did in lacrosse so yeah so it's that's brown that's exactly what my grandparents said they live a little bit south of sparta there and um they were saying the same thing that lacrosse just got all this rain and they got like nothing. So, and of course that's where we're trying to get food plots to grow next month and all that stuff. But yeah, I feel like this whole summer has just been sweltering hot and dry everywhere for the most part. So yeah, well it is what it is. Uh, I know I'll be the first one to start complaining when it gets cold again. So I guess we just got to take it, but yeah, we'll uh we'll get going on some of the the scouting missions here. So, um, have you done any so far this year, or like you said, it's just gonna be on your to do list here coming up? So I have not gone and specifically scouted anything for deer hunting. Um, when I go turkey hunting, uh, when I go look for morel mushrooms in the spring, um, anytime I'm out in the woods doing anything like that. Uh, shed hunting I didn't really do much of that this year but when I do go um, those things are um, just as much about deer scouting as they are about uh, whatever the the name of the activity is that that I have to tell my wife I'm going to do (laughs) yeah that's a good point there Um, you know even even when you're out and it's not deer season it's always a good time to be keeping an eye on those things because you can definitely pick up on on certain things that might um, give you an advantage when it comes time to be in the deer woods but is it something that you do um, on a yearly basis trying to find new spots it, yeah it's definitely something I do on a yearly basis I would say with the exception of the last month here um, just talking June that it's something that I do uh, on on a monthly basis 
and then even over over the course of June, I had I had pulled Onyx up a few times and and just looked at it on my phone. But yeah, I I do a ton of a ton of looking around every every year. So what drives that? Because you guys have a a pretty <laughs> a, a pretty decent uh, spot that you guys have permission to hunt year to year. Um, so for people who are in kind of the same boat and have a really good place to hunt already, why should they be looking for other places? Well, I would say that there are three uh, three main things that drive that for me. Uh, the first being, I just love deer hunting, in particular bow hunting, and not hardly a day goes by where it does not pop into my head. So I would say that's the main thing that drives it. You can never have too many spots. Um, the second thing that drives it is the <clears throat> the private piece that that Pat and I have permission on. The, the landowners are starting to get a little bit older. Um, so we know that unless we have a way to come up with, you know, well over a million dollars, uh, whenever, whenever the day comes where they, you know, can't manage the property or, or um, pass away, you know, that we're probably not going to have permission on that piece anymore. So we gotta, we gotta build up the bank for um, the future as well. Uh, and then I think the third thing that drives it is a lot of, for a lot of years, we overhunted that private piece just because we had permission on such a good property. And when that was happening, we weren't seeing the numbers of deer, the quality of deer um, that we knew were out there. Uh, we basically pressured it to the point where it turned nocturnal. So I started to look at a bunch of different public spots and uh, a couple of other smaller permission spots uh, that were private, uh, just to be able to take pressure off of that until the conditions were absolutely perfect. So would you say that when you started really looking for new spots, scouting these public areas, um, possibly looking for other permission spots. Um, has that made you a better hunter? Oh, absolutely. It, I mean, I think the more time you spend in the woods, the better you're going to be at hunting. Um, but just the things that you really have to start looking for in particular, when you're, when you're looking around on public, public ground, um, there are, there are trails that have been created that are highways, but one of those trails being used, you know, a lot of times they're being used at night, uh, or they're being used, um, during seasons when you cannot hunt the deer. Um, so at first glance, it's like, oh, wow, this, there's a ton of activity in here, but as soon as people start hunting it, you know, it, it starts to dry up. So you really have to start digging in a little bit deeper into those spots and really finding where the bedding is and, um, you know, what areas are people not likely to go into. Um, so yes, it has definitely made me a, a better hunter uh, by, by looking over a lot, a lot of new properties. 
And I, I sort of feel a certain way about public land. I want to see if you feel the same way. Um, it, to an extent, I feel like on public land, it's almost sort of like playground mode a little bit where if you make certain mistakes and, you know, maybe you put on too much pressure, like you said, or something like that, it's um, maybe a little bit less of a concern because it's not your own private piece where you're really trying to protect that sort of thing. Do you kind of feel along the same lines there? Um, I do. Um, when I when I go and hunt public, I am definitely way way more aggressive uh, with where I'm going to sit and my approach to to the hunt than I am on the on the private piece. Um, yeah, so I, I would agree with that. It's a little bit more of a playground, and if if you mess it up, you know, as long as you have a bunch of other spots in the bank, it's not really that that big of a deal. Um, the the caveat to that is when you have a target buck that you're trying to harvest that is on public. Um, if if that's the case, where I know there's something that's you know that's really good that that I'm trying to trying to harvest you know and then then i won't be quite as aggressive i'll i'll kind of approach it the same way that i would on the on the private piece right yeah i feel like it, it is to a, a certain point there but for somebody who's hunting and still kind of learning things i feel like public land really can be a good playground for you because with learning comes making mistakes and in a situation like you're in where you do have some pretty solid private ground um, you know, it, it's better to make certain mistakes and learn those lessons on public where maybe you don't necessarily have a, a target buck in mind. And then, um, those, those lessons can be applied to the private land where maybe you do have a target buck, but, um, yeah, so I know you're going to be scouting for some, some new properties here coming up, hopefully when the weather <laughs> cools down a little bit, but, um, I don't have a ton of experience with that. So I'll kind of let you take the driver's seat here a little bit on, on what you want to share, kind of what your process is on, on that whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I don't know. I'll, I'll try to keep this, I'll try to keep this brief uh, and then, you know, we can expand on, on some of it, but, you know, to just, just for the listeners so that you're not, not sitting there for an hour and a half. Cause I could, I could probably talk all day on this, but, um, yeah, what's my approach when I'm looking for a new public spot? Um, I'm I'm not super like I I didn't start hunting until I turned I think 20. So you know I I didn't have anybody to teach me how to do this stuff. Uh, it, a lot of it has been just learned on my own, and like you said, by through making mistakes. So I feel like I've gotten pretty good at at uh, being able to identify properties that I want that I want to hunt, and honestly, a lot of the properties identif- that I identify that I want to hunt, um, I don't even bother putting boots on the ground in the off season um, until I have had a season um, go by in the fall where I could drive around on a Saturday or Sunday, um, you know, late mid-morning, late morning, and see, you know, who else is hunting it. 
Um, I'll also go drive around when I get done with work on some of these pieces that are a little bit closer to my house just to see if there's vehicles parked there and what's the traffic like. And if I find a spot where, you know, I go a couple times and I'm not seeing vehicles, that is something that I mark down and I go, all right, I'm going to go check this out a little bit more. So um, that's kind of one of the things that, that I've learned is when, when you go in in July, uh, there's obviously not going to be anyone there. Now there's things that you can look for like tree stands and, and garbage and things like that. Well, that'll help you um, to learn whether or not people are going in there. But I really like to, to wait until, until the fall um, just to be able to kind of check that box off of how much traffic is there in this area. Um, so that's one of the things that I do. Uh, the other thing that I do to help identify these is I do a lot of, of e-scouting, and that's another one where I'm not going to expand a ton on it, but I'm going to identify areas that I think look good just by looking at the maps, uh, and then that kind of helps me narrow down some of those spots that I'm going to go drive around and, and look at in the fall. Uh, and the reason I can be patient is because I have such a large bank of, of public spots that, that I already know. So it's not like I'm really pressed to, you know, go and find, find a, a tree that I can sit in because I got, you know, 30 other spots that I can go. Um, so that's kind of how I narrow down which, which properties am I going to really spend a lot of time focusing on in the off season. Um, I do that mostly during the season. Uh, so kind of from there, uh, what, what I'm looking for, like I said, is not many people, um, you know, what is the access like, you know, is there going to be a, a, a small Creek that I can walk through on the property in order to get into some of these areas? Um, so that I'm actually able to hunt them or is it something where I'm going to go marching through and, and blow the whole thing up, you know, before I even get to a tree that I want to hunt. Um, so, you know, before we're, I'm even looking at deer sign, those are some of the things that I'm going to hit. Uh, once I get into an area, I'll start just walking around and, and looking for old sign. You know, where are the, where are their major trails? Um, if I find something that looks like a major trail, uh, I'll follow that trail back to an area that, on, on an aerial map looks like it should provide good bedding for the deer. Uh, and then I'll start looking for old rubs and, uh, you know, if I can find beds, I'll try to identify, are they a buck bed or a doe bed? Um, and, you know, just, I guess as a quick overview, that's, that's sort of the, the process that, that I, that I follow as I'm trying to identify the areas that I'm actually going to hunt in within the, in the public land. Yeah. So when it comes to scouting these areas, do you, um, do you spend any time actually looking for deer, say, you know, seven thirty, eight o'clock at night, or do you drive around and, and try and put a spotlight on them? Are you looking for specific deer in these areas that might make you want to target that? Or are you more so looking for, like you said, traffic and sign and stuff like that? Um, it's a little bit of both. So I do spend a lot of time in August uh, driving around 
at, at dusk with the binoculars. Um, and, you know, obviously if, if you can, if you can see a, a buck that you want to target, that's a, that's a bonus. And luckily in, in Wisconsin, you can go and, and shine deer uh, in, in most areas. There are some, some spots that you cannot shine. Um, so I will do some shining, but um, typically when I'm, when I'm going out shining, it's, it's more of a leisure activity. Uh, and then, you know, obviously if I'm gonna be in an area where there's some, some spots I can hunt, then it becomes more about the, the scouting aspect of it. Right. Do you do any door knocking at all? So I don't do any door knocking um, on a consistent basis. I have done it in the past. Obviously, that's how Pat and I ended up getting on the property that our main property that we hunt. Um, but it, it's really hard to get permission from somebody that you don't know uh, in in the southwestern part of Wisconsin. You know, a a lot of people hunt. Um, a lot of those landowners hunt. Um, and if they don't, they probably already have some people that they've given permission to. And that, I'm not saying that you can't get permission, but I would rather spend my time, um, you know, scouting some of the public stuff because there are so many good public spots, you know, around here that I feel like it's time better spent, you know, looking for looking for deer or places to hunt within those uh, versus being told no uh, for for a day. Um, now, if I find a property that, uh, you know, I somehow have a connection with the person, you know, in that case, it's not really door knocking, but I'll, I'll have a conversation with them and start kind of feeling them out uh, a little bit to see if there's even a possibility for for me to be able to get on there and i have gotten some permission from from people um just you know through relationships yeah for sure I, it's definitely really really difficult when it comes to deer hunting i know jake and i have talked about it a little bit but we when we were turkey hunting we did a lot of door knocking and i i think the success rate was probably about 50 percent um and i think with door knocking for deer hunting permission you're probably looking at almost zero percent like for sure less than one but probably closer to zero than one it's it's going to be really really low um especially just with all the factors that you laid out like it's just a really really low possibility of getting it but that's why these public spots can be so great because you don't need the permission you've already got it so are you more excited when a small piece of public catches your eye or are you looking for like the thousands of acres, big blocks of public? Um, I think I'm actually sort of indifferent on that. Um, I would say for sure most of the pieces that I hunt are smaller blocks of public. Um, but the, the reason for that 
is because they're not actually like public. A lot of them are, are MFLs um, uh, or what is it, FCLs, forest crop law. Um, <clears throat> so they're private lands that, that are open to the public. Um, and the main reason for that is because before you could locate all of these properties online, uh, what you used to have to do is go and, and get a list of these properties, you know, from the DNR and figure out what, who was enrolled in uh, MFL uh, that's open to the public to hunt. And then from there, you'd have to use a plat book and figure out where they were. And it was just a lot more work. And a lot of times people didn't pay attention back in those days, they didn't pay as much attention to the smaller pieces. If there's a larger chunk, you can guarantee that there's going to be more people on it. Um, but those smaller pieces were sort of like a bunch of hidden gems that nobody knew about. So now everyone knows about them. So I guess it's not quite as quite as cool, but um, there's spots that I, I have spots that I've learned, um, you know, by going through that process in the older days, you know, that that I still hunt to this day that are pretty good. Um, I guess a lot of it depends how excited I get. A lot of it will depend on, you know, what is the access like? So I'm willing to do quite a bit of work to be able to get into some spots. So like I will, I have a canoe, I'll target chunks that are along a river that are landlocked by private, um, but you know, are open to the public, um, you know, if you access by water. So that's one of the ways that I kind of narrow down um, you know, a, a spot that, that there's not going to be a ton of pressure in. Um, that's, that's honestly the best way that you can do it is if you can find somewhere that you can access by boat and you have a boat or canoe or something that is going to allow you to be able to do that. Uh, I think that those are, those are dynamite. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Oh, my thing just died on me here. Come back. Okay, there we go. Um, yeah, so can we go a little bit more in-depth on the MFL stuff? Because I know, like you said, yeah, a lot of people do know about it now, but I think it's still a little bit confusing as to kind of what that is, what the rules might be for that. Do you have a little bit more insight on that? Sure. So um, MS MFL is managed forest law, and uh, landowners – can enroll their enroll their property into that and they can either enroll it so that it's open to the public or that it's closed to the public um, and a lot of people do it where they enroll it where it's uh, closed to the public because part of that means that you're going to need a, a biologist to come out and walk through your property with you and put together a land management plan. You get to talk to them about, you know, what do you want to manage your property for? Is it whitetails, turkeys, wildlife in general? Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of different things that that you can um, that you can be trying to accomplish by getting into that program. Uh, but the pieces that are open to the public, uh, 
those pieces, um, the landowner has to provide you access to it. So if there isn't, you know, if there's not a road that butts up to it, and it is a piece that's landlocked, um, you can either contact the landowner or you can contact one of the, the foresters from the DNR in different base in the county you're in. Um, and they will tell you uh, where the easement is to give you access to that property. So um, if you come across an MFL that's open to the public, it has to be open. You have to have a way to get in there. Um, otherwise, it will not be allowed to be in the program. And you don't have to ask permission? Uh, you don't have to ask permission. You just need to... Um, you need to know where that easement is if there's not a public road that, that butts up to it. And then can you, is it more like public where you have to, like you can't just leave a stand up or a blind up, you have to take everything out the same day? Yep, okay. yep, yep. You need to pull stuff out unless you have permission from that landowner to leave, um, leave your equipment in, out in the woods. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, that's some good information there because I, I know it's become more and more popular, but I think some of those little intricacies of it all kind of can trip some people up. I know Jake and I have been a little bit confused about it at times, and that's kind of led us to um, maybe not try out some of those spots because we've just been confused and didn't want to do something wrong that we weren't supposed to. So I think that'll definitely be helpful there. Um if you are going into a, a big section of public land, what are you kind of going to be looking for as a starting point? Or I guess any any public land, um, is that going to come from mobile scouting? You see a certain something that is going to be like, all right, this is where I want to start. Um, because I know a lot, of, a lot of places are going to be pretty big. It might take you a long time to really figure them out. So I would imagine you kind of want to narrow down where within that public you really want to be targeting? Yeah, um, a lot of that I do, you know, with with e-scouting. Um, I'll I'll use the uh, the Kickapoo Valley Reserve for example. Um, that's like ten thousand acres plus of public land that that you can go hunt. So. Like, if you look at it as 10,000 acres, that is absolutely enormous. And, you know, there's no way that you're ever going to be able to figure it out. Um, one of the reasons that I'm using that for an example is because I don't really care how many other people want to go out there. I have, I have spots that I've learned and picked out. And one of the things that I think is great about the KVR is that um, – you're not allowed to hang and leave trail cameras out there. So uh, through my job, I had uh, a group of high school students and we'd be out there uh, as volunteers uh, to help teach them some vocational skills. And um, we'd be out there volunteering. So I got to know a bunch of the areas on the KVR really well that were not necessarily right next to the road. Um, and like I said, you can't put trail cameras out there. So uh, you have no idea where 
a target buck is unless you put eyes on that deer and get to know the area. So um, I got lucky enough over the years to be able to find a few spots uh, where where I saw good bucks and was able to then dive into them a little bit deeper. Uh, but most of it starts with e-scouting. And, you know, I'm going to look at uh, ridge systems and I'm going to try to identify areas that are going to be, you know, a, a little bit more work to be able to get into them. A lot of times when I would hunt out there, my walk into my stands would be, you know, three quarters of a mile to two miles long um, just to get into one of these spots. Um, and I've identified that there's good good ridge systems. I try to look at where are where's the agriculture um, that is going to be a destination for the for the deer to get to. Uh, and then I kind of go from there where, you know, like, okay, this looks like it should be bedding. This looks like it should be food. I got a starting point. Then I can go in there, put boots on the ground and figure out, is this actually bedding or was I a little bit off? Um, you know, what, what trails are they using to get out to food? Um, there's also the river that runs through there. So there's spots that you get, can get to by boat. Um, so, you know, I guess just surface level, that's sort of, sort of the, the process that, that I've used on, on those bigger chunks. Identify bedding, identify food, go in their boots on the ground and verify what I saw and then start to mark trees on, on Onyx that I would be able to use a climber or my hang and hunt set from. Gotcha. So I know we, we said we talked a little bit about even finding new spots on your own private land or, or private land that you already have permission, maybe a certain corner of the property that you've previously overlooked. Um, do you have any experience with something like that? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I think this is going to be the 17th or 18th year that Pat and I have been on, on the property that, that we have permission to hunt on. And it was just last year where, and this wasn't even like some unknown corner, um, but there's so many um, ash trees on this property that have died. And there's a big windstorm last summer that knocked a bunch of these trees down and it changed the, the deer movement through a certain area where we've had a tree stand for uh, years and years and years. And, you know, it was a spot where we typically would have a camera hung uh, and we just weren't really seeing that many great pictures right in this spot. And I went in there to pull the camera and for whatever reason, just kind of walked 30, 40 yards um, away from where I normally would. And holy cow, like the sign that I found in there was just absolutely ridiculous. So uh, that was the spot that ended up getting put on the list for, for getting a, hand, a stand hung in. Um, we have another spot that has been really productive over the years. Um, and we always called it the junction. And basically it's um, a ditch crossing between, between two points. And it's not a spot that's good all year, but once rut comes and those deer are cruising, 
it becomes really good. And uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, same thing. I'm like, well, there are three different points that come out on this property. I don't, I don't know why there wouldn't be something similar between these other, other two. So I started, I went in there actually during, during gun season one year and kind of found the same feature and Pat and I got a stand hung up in there then the next summer. So, yep, there's definitely pieces of the property that, you know, you think, you know, but you've overlooked in the past and, uh, it's always a good idea to keep an open mind about how you could maybe approach things differently within your own property. Yeah. We had the same thing just two, three years ago, even, um, just a chunk of the property kind of down by the river a little bit. Um, it, just a lot of tall grasses, really thick in there. Um, th there's a little bit of elevation change. It's a good spot now looking back on it, but at the time we just kind of wrote it off. And then, you know, we, we decided, well, we should probably explore it a little bit more. And we just found some really, really good trails going through there. Um, some spots that, turned out to be really good during the rut uh, we got cameras up that first year and we learned that we had some pretty big bucks showing up that only were on that camera down in that spot and never made it to any of the cameras on the rest of the property so then we kind of realized well all these years we maybe have had bucks who were using that chunk like that little corner there that might have just been like just the edge of their range and they never made it to the rest of the property and they might have been there the whole time and we just never knew about it because literally we had bucks the past couple of years that only showed up on one of those cameras down there and never showed up anywhere else. So that kind of was a learning curve there of like, oh, well, maybe we've had bucks on the property that didn't show up on these other ones and this has maybe been going on years so that was definitely an eye-opening part and now it's like you know have we walked every single square inch of the property no we definitely haven't but we probably should because maybe there's more and more spots that are just getting a little bit overlooked and you never know um, until you go and you scout it and you get a camera up and you really dive in and figure it all out you're just never going to know what you might be missing if you just write it off like that so um, yeah, I think no matter where it is, private, public, permission spots, MFL, um, you never want to overlook anything. You, you got to go and get in there because I know even on public land, that's what a lot of people will say is, well, the overlooked spots are usually the best. So, um, yeah, yep. I know I know we wanted to kind of try and keep it shorter here today. Um, is there any other wisdom you want to impart on these folks here before we before we take off um i would say that you know most of the things i talked about today those were like that's my approach during off season um but i i also do a lot of scouting like during the season and there's a spot um that's relatively near my house it's a it's it's 40 acres of public and yeah, it has a has a creek that runs through it, and from the road, it doesn't look very good at all. And I would say, you know, even even when you get in there, it doesn't look great. 
and I was actually out shining probably four or five years ago and saw two enormous bucks that were right on this little chunk of public. I'm like, wow. So I decided that I was going to start trying to figure it out. So I just waited and I actually walked um, from the road. I walked down um, all the way to the creek and then waded across the creek with my bow and my climber and all this stuff and ended up going up a tree. And it was the first morning that I was in there. Um, it had rained the day before and the creek was up a little bit and I ended up going over my boots. <laughs> so my feet are soaking wet and I'm in there. It gets light out. It's like 7:30, and my feet are starting to freeze it was it was an october day it was like i don't know probably mid 30s and my feet are just freezing so i'm like i gotta try to warm my feet up and i'm usually so careful anytime i stand up well i end up standing up in my tree and um, i look over my shoulder and 20 yards away from me one of those bucks that i saw was standing there and he had me pinned and ended up running away from me. Huh. So, you know, if, if I would have waited probably 30 seconds to a minute longer, he would have walked right out and been in the shooting lane. I would have seen him. Um, but he was just over my shoulder where, you know, because my feet were so cold, I decided to just stand up without checking behind me. And I ended up getting burned bad by it. Oh, man. So, so how does your so, approach change when it's in-season stuff versus in the off-season? Uh, in-season, if I'm going to scout a new property, I'll typically go and, and, and hunt for a couple of hours. Um, I'll go in there and hunt, and then when I get down out of my tree, uh, I'll, I'll you know, slowly move throughout that area that I'm hunting in and try to learn it a little bit better and see if I can find the sign. So I would, I would say that I've done that a number of different times and ended up, you know, putting myself in a pretty good spot. That same property, I ended up coming back to it, back to it and, um, and hunting it multiple times that fall. And every single time that I was in there, I saw, I saw good bucks and it was just one of those things where I was on the wrong side of the creek or I flooded my boots and, you know, ended up getting, you know, standing up without, without looking behind me or, you know, there's just for whatever reason, I never ended up getting the job done, but it was, it was uh, a really good spot. Um, in the years since then, it hasn't been as great. And I think it's because I had a very, at that time distinguishable truck and I think there were people that saw that my truck was parked there a bunch of different times and there were there was a lot more um, traffic moving through there uh, you know in the last couple of years so yeah that's just the way that it goes uh, but it's still somewhere that's on my list of places to go if you know if I just want to get out for a morning and I have some trees that I have that I have marked that I know I can get into and I know it's a really good area you know I've seen multiple good bucks um, 
whether it be out shining or you know looking at dusk in in the years since then but uh just got to be able to get in there sometime when it's you know not as pressured it's like i said it's a 40 acre piece so it's not it's not very big and as soon as you get a few guys that are that are in there frequenting it you know I, the odds of being able to harvest a mature buck go down significantly right so in the summertime off-season scouting do you ever take a climber in with without a bow and just sit as if you were hunting as part of your scouting routine um i don't go in there and sit in a tree to scout um i will take my climber in there uh, if there's a tree that's got some small limbs that you know that need to come off in order for me to be able to get up into it i'll go in there and, and modify that tree so that i can climb it um, but i don't i don't spend any time just sitting in the tree and and seeing what i'm going to see during gotcha. the summer okay all right well anything else before we wrap it up here i mean there's a ton of other stuff but right <laughs> in, in the in the spirit of, of keeping this one a little bit more brief I'd say I say we're safe to wrap it up, and you know we can we can have a, another another chat sometime to expand on a couple of the of the specifics that you know that we didn't really get into that much depth with. Yeah, for sure. There's always next time. Um, yeah, and there's there's definitely going to be more next times coming up. We just keep cranking these out every week i think this is episode 28 now so we're on like 28 weeks straight of getting these out for you guys um we are still going to continue to get some guests on especially as we get a little bit closer to the season here but we're also going to keep doing some of these that are just with us um, might be different combinations of us might be longer ones shorter ones who knows but we're going to keep them coming and we've got other content out as well lots of videos those are every other week on Mondays, so we've got one coming up uh, the Monday after this is published, actually, and that's going to be another good one, good one to get done um, in the summer. It's another little summer uh, summer deer scouting video, so that's going to be one you're definitely going to want to watch. And as far as all that stuff goes, I think we're I think we're good. So make sure you guys are subscribed to the YouTube channel so that you can see all of our videos, all of our podcasts, and hopefully. Like we always say, some of us hopefully shooting some big bucks this fall. Um, if you're listening on any of the other platforms, we appreciate that as well. So thank you guys for tuning in, and we will see you guys next time.